Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Detroit Lions. Wait, they're they're favored this week? Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver will not be at the arena this year. And how the Yankees make the playoffs won't matter if they do what they've done in their recent playoff appearances. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. In week two of the 2022 NFL season, the Detroit Lions are doing something they have not done in a year and a half. They are going into a game where they are the betting favorites. Our friends at Bet Online have installed them as a scant one-point favorite against the Washington Commanders. Joining me now from Locked On Lions, Matt Derry. And, and Matt, this is unfamiliar territory to Detroit. They're favored after a loss, albeit in a game that they fought hard in and, and came out strong against the Eagles. What does it feel like to be a favorite? Pete, I expect you at the uh, parade tomorrow down in, <laughs> on Woodward Avenue. This is huge news, huge news, but not surprising of the hard knocks hype. Lions with a nice fight against uh, an, a, a superior team in Philadelphia. So some momentum, especially. I think the Lions run game. Washington's defense giving up over 100 yards against the Jags last week on the ground, and that's not DeAndre Swift. So I think that people feel like in an up-down situation here, Washington can't be 2-0, and the Lions can't be 0-2. So that's probably what Vegas is thinking. It's also the case that Detroit played a team that everyone thinks is pretty good, potentially really good, and Washington just barely beat a Jaguars team that as recently as like four months ago was a total mess. So I, I think we can see where the betting markets are coming from on this one. If we're if we're going to actually be serious and break down the game a little bit, where do you think the Lions could have an advantage in this game? Because they're they're a, a, a sneaky team to make it in the playoffs. Some people think that they could be a wild card kind of team, and you got to get these kinds of wins when you're the favorite. No question about it. You got Pete back to back home games uh, against conference opponents that you know a little bit, and I think the Lions are going to be able to run the football. Uh, DeAndre Swift and the Lions offense ran for 181 yards this past Sunday against pretty good Philadelphia front, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham and company. Mm -hmm. Now no Chase Young for Washington. Uh, the second round pick, the kid's name escapes me. He's out. So a D tackle. So you've got some, some, some opportunities here to run the football against this Washington team. You're at home. The crowd was pumped up last Sunday and they played okay. I mean, they, they weren't horrible. The defense has got to be better. Here's Wentz off a four-touchdown game. There's no way he can do that again, right? <laughs> so I think all odds kind of push in the Lions' favor to be one-and-one and the commanders to be one-and-one. One. But again, this is where last year under Dan Campbell, the Lions couldn't finish. And again, this past Sunday, uh, Miles Sanders, third and one, stuffed at the original, uh, at the original, you know, kind of on onset of the play, then bursts outside for 25 and ices the game. Lions had him in the backfield wrapped up and couldn't got the, could have gotten the football back. So there's some momentum here. Dan Campbell said he watched the film and thought it was better than how he felt on Sunday after the game. But again, now you've got to win this game with Minnesota lurking next week on the road. And if you're going to play a team who the quarterback is just as likely to lose it for you as win it, and that can be the case with Jared Goff as well, well, it 
it's Carson Wentz. And, and as you mentioned, it's hard to bank on him being good uh, two games in a row. What do you think of the quarterback matchup in this one? This ought to be interesting because, like you said, I don't think anybody's uh, in D.C. is doing a dance yet over Wentz. He had a really good first game, but we remember, you know, if you, if you go by the adage, you're only good as your last game. We remember his last game before that where he cost the Colts the season. I think the Lions will make some adjustments. The biggest issue last week was everybody expected first-round pick and number two pick overall Aiden Hutchinson to really flash and get going, and that RPO action with Jalen Hurts just killed him. He wasn't ready for that. He never saw that at Michigan, maybe a few times, but but this at that speed, it hurt him. I think this Sunday, a more conventional offense with, with what Washington does, and I know they like to use Gibson out of the backfield, but I think the Lions will be better. I don't think they're giving up 38 points again um, uh, to, to, to Washington. So I think that that will be something that's good, and I think Goff had his moments this past weekend. The pick six wasn't good, a little miscommunication. I think some of that will be cleaned up. And watch TJ Hawkinson. I think he'll have a better game than he had in the opener. Stay up to date all season on the Detroit Lions by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Lions podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Phoenix Suns will not see Robert Sarver at the Footprint Center this season. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today. I use it for my fantasy football leagues. You probably do too. They've launched 22 new features, including an over-unders game integrated into the fantasy app. You already have this great user experience for your fantasy team. And now you can play their awesome over-under game as well. It's super simple. In any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or the under, let's say rushing yards. Then you choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, You can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. That's big time payouts. You're not going to find other places plus a built-in chat function so you can let your friends know about your picks or you can, you know, let them know about your picks after you beat their picks. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their over-under game. Have some fun and make some money. Plus, you can join our listener group at sleeper.com slash locked on today and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash locked on today and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. According to Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott will not miss as much time as initially reported. Jones said as much on Shannon RJ on 105.3 The Fan on Tuesday. If we thought he wasn't going to be ready to go for uh, four games until after four games, we would put him on IR. We're not doing that. We think he can come in and play, so we don't want to uh, not have him out there practicing. We want him uh, getting prepared, and we'll see how he uh, handles this thing, how it um, heals, mainly how he can, uh, his strength, how he can grip the ball, what his status is. Uh, but that's not being an optimist. The proof is that uh, we got a good surgery, got good technique, and uh, feel uh, better about it than we did uh, Sunday night. Jerry Jones was the first person to say Dak Prescott would need surgery. He didn't even let Mike McCarthy get to the podium. So maybe he's being forthright on this. You can decide how likely you think that is. The Denver Broncos went out and acquired Russell Wilson this past offseason and then took the ball out of his hands in week one. Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett now admits if he could go back to that moment, 
he'd make a different call. Yeah, you know, looking back at it, we definitely should have gone for it. Um, just not, not, you know, one of those things. You look back at it and you say, of course we should go for it. We missed the field goal. Um, but in that situation, we had a plan. I mean, we had a plan. We knew that the 46 was the mark. Uh, we were third and 15, I think, third and 13. I'm more upset about that play before it to lose yards, to be able to, you know, getting that there would have definitely uh, been better to be able to call that same play and get extra yards. But um, he dumps it out to Javante. Javante makes a move, goes a lot farther than I think we had anticipated. We were expecting to go for it on fourth down. And then you hit the mark, you know, the mark that we had all set before we started. We said uh, 46 yards. 46-yard line was where we wanted to be, and uh, we got there. So we had to make the decision if we wanted to give it to, uh, you know, Brandon, and we did. And it didn't work. It sucks, but hey, that's part of it. We can put that one firmly in the yeah, no duh category. Coach Andy Reid blamed the turf in Arizona for injuries to two key Kansas City Chiefs players in Sunday's win over the Cardinals. The Chiefs lost cornerback Trent McDuffie with a hamstring injury and an ankle injury to kicker Harrison Butker forced the Chiefs to use a safety, Justin Reed, to kick two extra points and to kick off. Yeah, well, they they resotted it, which is, that's a good thing because they, they practice in there, but it, it was a little bit loose. Well, that's what happens, you know, sometimes when you resot it, it's loose. And I mean, listen, it, 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 it was part of the Butker injury and, and McDuffie injury. I mean, that's... Unfortunately, that was that was part of it. Just the, the turf picked up, and and um, you know, so I, I would tell you that yeah, that that did have something to do with it. If it didn't, I'd tell you that too. So it's not an excuse by any means, but uh, I mean, you all can see it when you watch watch the tape. The Chiefs placed McDuffie on IR, meaning he will miss at least four games, and they signed kicker Matt Amendola to their practice squad. He could be promoted in time for Thursday's game should Butker be deemed out. Giannis Antetokounmpo got ejected and Greece's hopes of bringing home a European championship ended not long after. He was dominating as he is wont to do for Greece. 31, 8, and 7 in 30 minutes. My goodness. And he also picked up two unsportsmanlike conduct fouls, the last of those leading to his ejection with 4 minutes 56 seconds left. Greece was down 14 when he committed his second such foul, and Germany maintained full control the rest of the way. Greece made it through the group stage of the tournament undefeated, thanks in large part to Giannis, one of only two teams to do that, the other side being Nikola Jokic's Serbia. And on the diamond, Aaron Judge inched closer to Roger Maris by blasting a pair of dingers in the Yankees and Red Sox extra inning tussle. This is Stacey Gatsoulias of Locked On Yankees, and the Yankees beat the Red Sox in 10 innings at Fenway 7-6. It was a crazy game between these two teams. Each team hit three home runs. Every Red Sox home run put them ahead, and every Yankees home run was a game-tying home run. First, Marwin Gonzalez, and then Aaron Judge, twice. He's up to 57 home runs now, and I don't want to jinx him, but it looks like 62 could be within reach. Now, Garrett Cole was having an issue with the home run ball. He gave up all three home runs that the Red Sox hit, none by Rafael Devers. You can't predict baseball. 
In the top of the 10th, Gleyber Torres hit a bases-clearing double, reminiscent of Gary Sanchez's double in the 2017 ALCS against Houston. You know, that rope that went to right center and split the outfielders? It was exactly like that, and it was just what the Yankees needed. Red Sox chipped away a little bit in the bottom of the 10th, and it got really scary when Wandy Peralta was pitching against Rafael Devers. He struck him out to end the game. Yankees win. Hallelujah. I'll have everything you need to know about this game on the next Locked on Yankees. And uh, yeah, I'll be yelling about Garrett Cole giving up too many home runs. Should be fun. Here is another story you need to know. Suns Governor Robert Sarver will be suspended a year and fined $10 million after an exhaustive months-long investigation uh, by the NBA and an independent investigator into accusations of racism and misogyny in the Suns workplace. Joining me now from Locked On Suns, Brendan Clean. And, and Brendan, it is no secret Robert Sarver has a reputation around the league as being cheap, but this takes this to a whole new level. I'm not making light of what he did, but there's being cheap and then there's being scuzzy, which is a very different thing. And that's what this investigation was about. Yeah, it's if you listen to the reaction back when the ESPN story came out by Baxter Holmes that uncovered a lot of this, that prompted the investigation, everyone from Raja Bell to Amin El Hassan, uh, Matt Barnes, these people who are now in the media who worked for or players for this organization, no one was surprised. And so today was the culmination of that investigation, but I think the the reaction to this was largely the same. Uh, just putting concrete evidence behind what people have known about this guy and the way that he handles himself and this organization for a long time. And obviously some disappointment that more was not done to stop that going forward. This is now something, by the way, going on in Washington, D.C. with with Daniel Snyder in the NFL. Donald Sterling lost his team over um, and that was on tape. That was one of the big reasons why that uh, ended the way that it did. But we don't have concrete solutions for when this kind of stuff happens in pro sports. At what point do players say the workplace culture and all that stuff is important enough to us to push for some sort of specific requirements that regulate owner behavior and, and institutional culture better? Yeah, it's one of the bizarre things about all of this because I think if you read the if you read the report that was released by the league, uh, you see some pretty damning things. I, I mean, most of what was in that ESPN article, outside of a couple things that the league and the law firm that they hired went out of their way to say they could not corroborate, basically everything outside of a couple is backed up. And if those things were levied against and, and proven, basically about Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos or any other CEO in this country, you would probably see some pretty significant momentum for those people to be removed from their positions. Corporate stuff can be complicated, but I think this definitely crosses that line. But in sports, we don't necessarily have that. The power dynamics, the way that a commissioner exists, which is a unique sort of role where Adam Silver works for Robert Sarver. It can feel sometimes like the way that it's talked about that it's the opposite. It's very much not. Uh, Silver exists to keep the, the integrity of the league, to keep things together, to, to kind of just go forward and keep making money effectively. So, yeah, it, it it is different than the Sterling situation or some of these other ones because there was no 
uh, smoking gun, so to speak. I think the the interesting part when you start to think about players is like with with Donald Sterling, uh, the the tape what he said was directed toward Magic Johnson. It was directed toward uh, the you know black attendees of games. It it really hit that third rail where players were likely to be heavily invested in the result. It was it was about people who look and and come from places that they that they do, right? And so it's a question of does this hit that? I don't know. It's not for any of us to to I don't think it's fair to put that pressure onto the players. Obviously with Chris Paul, it's one of the same players who was in that situation. But these guys did say, including head coach Monty Williams, that they were going to wait until the results of the investigation came out to really speak to the specifics. Well, here we are, uh, right? Media days in two weeks. These guys now have concrete evidence to speak to. And I think that's where people's eyes will go next of how they respond and what does that do uh, in terms of pressuring the league to maybe step it up, pressuring Sarver to, uh, to, to do more on his own, potentially step down. Whatever we see, that's going to be uh, the next step. Coming up, recent playoff performances are the Yankees' real albatross. To say the New York Yankees have had an up-and-down season is an understatement, like the roller coaster at Coney Island. They went from 121 pace to clinging to their playoff lives. As Millard Thomas points out to Sully on Locked on MLB, how they make the postseason will not matter. No, it won't be a regular season collapse. They're hanging on right now. They've really picked themselves up after struggling mightily a post-All-Star break and in that month of August. But we all know it's all going to come down to the postseason because it doesn't matter how many wins they get in the regular season. If the Yankees finish with 90 wins or if they finish with 100 wins, if you don't get back to the World Series, if you're Brian Cashman, then basically this season's a failure because for the Yankees, their franchise mentality is championship or bust so yes maybe it's not a regular season collapse maybe they won't make the playoffs as a wild card team or anything like that but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter whether the Yankees make the playoffs as a wild card team as the division winner as the best team in baseball if they they just don't get the job done in the playoffs then it really doesn't matter what they did in the regular season look I'm not going to count out the team with the likely AL MVP and a pitching staff that for most of the first half of the season was excellent This is a very talented team. But sometimes, with these franchises, you are untrustworthy until you prove you can be trusted. I should know, I cover the Green Bay Packers for Locked On Packers, and that's where they are right now. No one is going to trust them in the postseason unless and until they show they can be trusted. So you have to just go Do it. We saw it last year. Having the MVP was not enough. So, Yankees, you want to prove us all wrong? You want to prove you can be trusted? Go win some series in the postseason. And finally, Live Golf is offering up the richest purse sports has ever seen. No, it's not a Birkin bag. In their season-ending team championship, no one's going to get that, the winning foursome will split a $50 million prize. There will be 12 teams competing with the top four receiving a bye to the quarterfinal with the other eight competing in the qualifying rounds. The way seating is determined, you ask? A closest to the pin shootout competition between the 12 team captains. Does this sound like something a country club would do to decide some random event? In the middle of the summer, yes. Does that make it a little cooler? 
kind of, yes, I have to admit, what Liv has done in some of the formats is interesting. I just can't get excited about $50 million of Saudi-backed money that is intended to sports wash a regime that has done terrible things. I will not fall for the okey-doke, and you shouldn't either. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, which week one loser is in trouble this NFL season? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.